Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Oheb Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week in Shul, we read Parsha Truma, which contains the instructions for the building of the tabernacle of the Mishkan. And it's also Shabbos Zachor, the Shabbos before Purim, where we all are supposed to gather together in Shul, or because of COVID, there are ways to, alternative ways to do that. I'm happy to discuss if anyone wants to reach out to me. But you come and gather in Shul, to be read, to hear the commandments, to wipe out the memory of Amalek from the earth. Now, we'll look at this in detail in a moment, but Amalek was a nation that attacked us while we were traveling in the desert. And God says, you better destroy their memory. You need to erase it entirely from this earth. And it's the one time a year where Jews are supposed to gather together in shul and listen to the laning with kavana, right? With intention to make sure that you fulfill the commandment of remembering a malik, but not just remembering a malik, remembering what they did and your your commandment, the, the way that we're all commanded to blot out their memory from this world. Now, I think some people, especially in 2021, feel a little bit uncomfortable with this idea. First of all, it, it, while it itself isn't really necessarily violent because we're commanded to erase their memory, it's not clear exactly what that means, it has an element of violence to it. Then, okay, this isn't something where you, we gather together and say, remember to be good people. No, we gather together and we say, remember what this nation did to you and make sure that you erase their memory from the earth. It's not necessarily something that we want to be telling you know everyone about, describing to our, to our neighbors, etc. It's a little bit uncomfortable. Also, the second issue, I think, is that there isn't necessarily one obvious thing that we're supposed to do with this. Now, anyone with, with any historical sense of responsibility and historical sense says Amali doesn't exist anymore, right? Both because we don't know exactly who they are, but also it'd be very dangerous if we walked around believing there really was a nation on this earth that we were supposed to eliminate from this earth, right? I mean, that would breed violence, which is discussed a lot in, in Dr. Elliot Horowitz's book of Blessed Memory. Um, so what we have instead is this this commandment to erase the memory of a nation that we don't believe really exists anymore. And so Tachlis, at the end of the day, what are you supposed to do with that, right? What does it actually mean that we have this then? Why are we gathering together to hear it? And so it leaves us with this, both this sense of discomfort, but also this sense of a question mark, right? Why are we even doing this at all in the first place? And so what I wanted to look at today, what I want to do today is look at the verses that describe what Amalek did in a little bit more detail. And I wanted to bring in the opinion of one commentator of the Ralbag to try to help us shed some light on what the meaning of Zachor is. I think especially a significant meaning during a time of COVID. So going back to the Torah, we have a Malik appear in two different places. First, at the end of Parshat Peshach, which we read a couple of weeks ago, after the crossing of the sea and the, the issue with the water, etc., out of nowhere, the Yavo Amalek, Amalek came and they fight with Israel at Rephidim. And then Moshe, Moshe says to Yoshua, all right, you got to pick some men to go out to fight. And Moshe goes to the top of the mountain. And whenever his hands are up, the, the Israelites, they get happy and they, they start to win. But then when his hands get tired and he puts them down, then Amalek starts to prevail. And so they have to put stones under Moshe's arms to hold them up so he can keep the people excited. And as long as they are, then they're able to beat Amalek. And after they do, after they're victorious over Amalek, God says to Moshe, write this down. And read it to Yoshua that what? I 
says guide will definitely i will utterly blot out the memory of a malik from under the heaven now we don't say this about other nations so it's clear that whatever a malik did was extremely offensive to god and to the jewish people and it's something that is considered to be it's something that renders them as having to be blotted out from this earth and then this is discussed, Amalek is discussed again in Deuteronomy in chapter 25, verses 17 to 19. And this is actually what we read in Shul this coming Shabbos. Now, I wanted to look at the three verses that comprise this reading and analyze them in a bit more detail. The first verse is uh, chapter 25, verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you on your journey after you left Egypt. Right here is in this verse is the is the commandment to remember, and then in Yudchet in eighteen we're told what they actually did. Asher karcha baderech v'zanev becha kol hanechashalim acharecha v'ata ayef ve'agea v'lo yarei elokim. How undeterred by fear of God, he surprised you on the march when you were famished and weary, and cut down all the stragglers in your rear. So that the second verse, is what Amalek actually did to us. And then in 19 is the second part of the actual commandment. Therefore, when the Lord your God grants you safety from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a hereditary portion, meaning when you actually conquer the land and you actually and you establish a sense of security in the land of Israel, then what do you do? You shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Lo tikshkach, do not forget. So we see here, verse 18 of what Amalek actually did is bookended by commandments to remember. Remember what Amalek did to you. And then once you get to the land of Israel, you blot out their memory from under heaven and you better not forget, right? And because we're commanded not to forget, then Dafka every year we have to get together in shul. So we are, so we remember it so that we don't forget. So as we said, this is a little bit intense um from i don't violence in some ways frankly feels like it's overstating it but there's a sense of a you know an, an, an intensity discomfort here but also what message do we take from it and for that i wanted to go back to verse 18 to look at it in detail where it's described what amalek did to us now the first clause is asher korcha baderach the jbs translated that as he surprised you on your march, on your travels. Now that the reason surprise comes in is because the word karcha itself is a little bit unclear. Um, a lot of the commentaries say, well, it comes from the word kara, like sort of just happened. And meaning Amali just surprised you. They just showed up out of nowhere. And so that's how you get the translation of surprise. Now let's look at the next little clause. Now this is translated here cut down all the stragglers in your rear. Now, Zanev means it's from the word Zanav, the tail. And Nechashalim, all the, the weak people who were in the back. And so it seems like what Amalek did, based on these words, is Amalek surprised them, didn't engage in the natural um, rules, protocols of war, but rather surprised them from behind 
And if you think about a group of people traveling, who's going to be in the back? The weaker people, the slower people. And Amalek just showed up and attacked those people, right? Which we know would violate certainly war ethic globally and would be considered to render them especially uh, evil and, and playing dirty here. Now, the next part is also where we get, where the, the translation can get a little bit iffy. Then we have, how what JPS translates is, you were famished and you were weary. So it seems like, like Moshe now here is speaking directly to the people, right? Not only were the weak people in the back, but you, Israel, you were ayef and yagea. You were famished and you were weary. Velo yare elokim. Now, technically, this translates, it seems like this would be a continuation of the previous clause. You were weary and you were tired and you did not fear God. However, most of the commentaries understand this last clause not to be about the Israelites, but to be about Amalek, which is how that they did not fear God, which is how the JPS translation takes this verse and orders it out of and, and puts it in out of order. And the translation is how undeterred by fear of God, he, meaning Amalek, surprised you on the march when you were famished and weary and cut down all the stragglers in your rear. Right, Amalek didn't fear God, and so they just did this most awful thing to you by showing up and attacking the weak people in the back. And like we said, that's how most of the Mepharshim understand it, which means that we're left with a commandment to erase the memory of Amalek from the earth because they, they were a nation that played dirty. They did the lowest thing you can imagine of attacking from the back, of attacking the weakest people. And it's not only that, attacking a nation that was already exhausted and weary. It's just, it's just not what decent people do. And so that's what would qualify them as having to be having their memory erased from the earth. Now, there is very interestingly, as, as some people point out, there's a Ralbag who says something very, very interesting here. And he says that this part of the lo yare Elohim refers not to Amalek, but actually to the Israelites themselves. And he says that what happened? You, the Israelites, were walking, you were wandering in the Egypt, you were ayef v'yagea, you weren't prepared for war. But also not only were you not physically prepared for war, according to him, but you, Israel, you yourselves were not yet Yireh Elohim. You were not yet fearful of God. And therefore, because you, the Israelites, remember this happens right after the crossing of the sea, you know, they're still very early in their relationship with God. And because they weren't yet fearful of God, then Hashkacha Pratit, God's supervision, God's extra protection, did not yet apply to them. And in fact, according to the Rabbah, they wouldn't have been protected from the war at all. And Amalek would have defeated them if not had it been for Moshe's earlier prayer to God that bought them, so to speak, enough protection from God to actually win this war. Now, what the Ralbag here is saying is something really, really interesting. Amalek, they did something low by attacking at the back in a weird and exhausted people. But that wasn't a reflection of them lacking fear of God. Instead, it was the Israelites who lacked the fear of God, which means that they didn't yet have this automatic protection from Amalek, right? What makes God want to command us to erase the, the, the memory of, of Amalek? It's more like it was the fear 
of the potential that Amalek actually would have won because the Israelites didn't yet fear God. And so they didn't yet have God's protection. And which, which leads us to think that if they had yet established have they had already established their, their era of God, their fear of God, then of course it would have been obvious that they would have been protected. Then this wouldn't be such a story. It'd be okay, another people attack, but we fight them off, no problem. What makes this a story is that we didn't have that full fear of God. And if Moshe hadn't prayed to God independently, then certainly we would have been destroyed. Now, why is this interesting, especially in 2021, in a year of COVID? Now, I remember that when, when COVID first began, about a year ago, and we first started to really understand that this is a disease, this is a virus that attacks, just like a Amalek, the most vulnerable people in our society, right? It attacks the elderly. It attacks people with pre-existing conditions. It takes people who are already in a vulnerable state. And in many cases, it does far more damage and even death, tragically, in many, many instances, than it would to the people who are, let's say, so-called more healthier or younger or whatever it is, right? It's one thing for a virus to, to wreak havoc on everyone equally. It's another thing to know that the most vulnerable people in your society, the people already need the most protection, people already now are also victim to this virus. I remember just thinking, wow, this virus literally is a malik, right? It has that extra element of evil here and of terror. And therefore, we just need to gather together and band together as society all the more so to fight this virus. Now, if you leave it at that, then yes, that's very powerful. Um, but there, I don't know that there's necessarily such a stronger message behind it. But I think especially for this year, and especially for this time, the message of the Ralbag is very powerful. Now, God forbid, I'm not saying that if as a society, we had more yira, right? Meaning we, we, we feared God, we had a, a stronger sense of a, a power higher than ourselves, then we would be protected from this virus. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think like that. And then people will always do, there's always gonna be someone who blames it on, on something that we failed in order to do, you know, we failed at something. And so therefore that's why we've been struck by this virus. No, this is nature. But I think the Ralbag offers an opening for us to think about but are there still things that at the same time, while we're suffering from this terrible virus, ways that we can be improving ourselves, right? Just like the Israelites, if they had been fully developed in their fear of God and their year of God, then maybe they would have, they would have been more protected and this wouldn't have even been a story. Where have we as a society exposed our own vulnerabilities and elevated our own vulnerabilities, highlighted them to the point where this virus had a stronger entry? into our society to destroy the weakest amongst us, the people who are already in the back, the people who are readily, already struggling to, to keep up with everybody else. I know that John Oliver had a great piece this week on his show, and we've seen in other places people are talking about, well, it's the, there are sometimes there are the ways that we conduct our societies, the way that we force people of certain jobs of certain socioeconomic statuses into compromised positions. There's ways that we consume meat. Um, there's ways that we, we attack our environment that brings us into contact with animals that will give us more and more diseases as the time goes on, right? Just because we're being attacked by this horrible virus doesn't mean that we should be paralyzed by it into a state of thinking, well, there's nothing we could have done to make our collective society stronger to protect those amongst us.
And if you read it with the Ralbag, you see that there was something missing in the Israelites. Again, not this isn't yet this isn't something we blame them for. It's not something, God forbid, we say they deserved it, but we recognize the reality that if as a community they had been better protected, then Amalek wouldn't have even been as big of a story. And I think that that same thing is true for us here. If we had protected ourselves and our each other, then maybe we could have protected more people. Now, I'm not saying that for the purpose of hindsight, but I do think it is important moving forward for us not to just feel like with our arms, our arms thrown up, paralyzed, what could we have done? But to recognize that there are ways that we can examine ourselves, how we conduct ourselves as a society, how we conduct ourselves globally, how we, we, we play with our relationships with nature, we push boundaries in all different ways that, in, that, that make us more susceptible to these types of things, to these types of viruses, to these types of disasters. And if we're willing to examine our behaviors, I think that we'll find that there are ways that we can protect ourselves in the future. And of course, we know that when we protect ourselves, we're not just really protecting ourselves, we're protecting all of us. And we see from the story from Amalek that it is Dafka, our responsibility, not just to look out for each other, but to look out for all of the members of our society, especially the ones who are readily, who are already struggling to keep up as it is. Shabbat Shalom.